keeping the team the working the way it is right now throughout this stretch, I guess, is my biggest concern. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you there. I think it's tough to uh, this team. Like they, I, I was telling people earlier, like they they haven't peaked yet. They haven't played yeah. their best basketball yet. I don't think, and and that's kind of a scary thought. It's also a great thought for us. Like this team has been so good so far this season, and the expectations are through the roof. Oh, but they're not. They don't have you know. We'll talk about Anthony Tolliver in a little bit. While that's not a huge addition, it still is an addition. And, and we're still waiting on George Hill to get back. And, you know, you're getting rest days for guys like Tobias and Danny Green who really haven't had a, a chance to do that yet this season. And Joel's coming back from injury. And Ben had to play, you know, a lot of extra minutes with Joel's um, injury. So I think they're just trying to, like, I honestly think that this stretch, it can go one of two ways. Like, one, they start to hit their stride tonight and make this trip really worthwhile um and start this like a really good stretch going towards the end of the season get some momentum or we see a little bit of the bump in the road and we're waiting on them to kind of flip the switch in um after this stretch i'm really hoping it's it's the former and they're they're able to make a run here and, and have a little bit of momentum going through this stretch and, and hitting the nets and the bucks both um full strength and everything but i could also see them having a little bit of a tough time especially with you know out of conference teams like the, the suns and the clippers making you know a little bit of their way in there none of these teams are pushovers each game is going to be down to the wire it's going to be brutal um but that's sometimes how they like it and i think the sixers match up well against all these teams so I, i'm really excited for this stretch I, i've been i've been catching myself like getting really really excited for the playoffs and the end of the season, I, I found myself before the last couple of years being worried going into the playoffs, but but this year I'm so amped and ready for this this postseason start. Yeah, and I mean in general, I would say about the Sixers team that they do show up for big games, and they're going to have a lot of big games coming up in this stretch, which is a great trait to have as a team. And also, we're just kind of at that weird part of the season where not nothing's locked in, but everybody kind of has the general vicinity of where they're going to finish. Everybody has like their own like trying to make sure their team is hitting their stride to the same place, whether that involves resting guys, which we've seen so much with the Nets and the Clippers and things like that. And like we still have yet to see it's been disappointing this year, and especially with COVID and everything going on. Like we haven't played a true like Nets, a full strength contender, I would say, especially with the Nets, especially Lakers, Clippers. You think back to games where just guys were missing and like the, I, I do think battle testing this team is a good thing right now, which I'm, I'm excited to see. And hopefully teams do still come out of full strength for matchups. Yeah, I, I think um, along with that, I think there's also a point to be made. I think a lot of teams take their best shot at us, um, whether mm -hmm. like even if it's not. I, I think like obviously we've kind of avoided the Nets up to this point and we haven't seen a full strength Lakers team really. Um, but I think every other team is taking their best shot. Like I think people think teams think that the Sixers are you know, a top contending team, which I, I also think they are. And that being said, like you're going to, you know, that you got a target on your back every night. Each team is coming into that arena every night and trying to prove a point, trying to say like, Hey, we can, we can hang with the best of them. And if we're in that category of being the best of them, like that's, that's a great sign. So let's dive back into the, the thunder game a little bit. Just not, not too much. There's not too much to talk about. Cause it was kind of like a bench game all around. And like you said, the thunder have like that action, the, the short post, like screen and roll with him and Joel is proven to be effective in a lot of ways and, and ben got two jump shots off that look and then there's also Embiid had a couple looks off of it and the lob that that ben threw to joel as well like i think that little action with the spacing obviously that the sixers have been able to create with their shooters has been really successful is that something that you want to keep seeing them do like i i love that little thing that they do that like right at the that shallow pick and roll that they do 
And I think yeah. it gives Ben the opportunity to create as like just a basketball player in that little space. Yeah, I don't mind it. I, I wouldn't say I'm in love with it the way a lot of people are. I'm for sure done counting on Ben to develop a jumper and shoot that regularly. I do think this was uh, a game where he felt pretty much no pressure knowing that he's against like a, a Thunder team that like this the Sixers yeah. should be able to beat no matter who's on the court. And like the Sixers bench is probably better than the Thunder starters right now, which is like that's just the point that we're, that's where they're at, especially without Shea who didn't play. Like that's, yeah. at that point, it's a team that is just kind of very process sixer like so i think simmons didn't have any like kind of pressure on him any but so i think he was more willing to shoot in that again i don't think there's anything mechanically wrong with his shot i think it the stroke looks fine it's just all his willingness to shoot and i i like the snug pick and roll just as much as for the main thing to me that i like about it is just simply it's just ben and joel in a 2v2 game and just those are our two guy and i'll include tobias in our top three because he deserves it but those two guys like that should be our money makers down the stretch and just any play that just involves the two of them i'm so in on so I, i'm a fan of it i'm i don't see too many simmons jumpers extending going forward but it's nice to see whenever he shows flashes of it yeah yeah um i i love the the jumpers i think that that's something that he is going to like that kind of thing, that little mid-range jumper when he has that much space with the fact that he's getting to the free throw line a lot more often. Like, I think that that shot is something that is an easy development for him and could be like the first portion of his growth into a jumper. And let's, let's not like, I'm not going to try to make this into something bigger than it is. He took two mid-range jump shots. He's an NBA player. That's, that's basketball. Like that. Everyone does that. A lot of people do that, but for him, um, he was able to create a couple times in that area. You know, that's where every, everyone knows it's where he works best is in and around the paint. Same thing with Joel and with these shooters, they have this opportunity. So it's encouraging, like you said, in a game that really, I think they could have played all with their opposite hands and probably still won that game. Or they could have just let Furcon have the green green light all night and they probably would have won that game. But they, they, they were able to pull out a, like a pretty easy one. They kind of did. Yeah, they kind of did. Furkan had a great game. So, I mean, we can talk about that a little bit. Furkan finished with 20 points, four rebounds, two assists, five steals. Like, what? Five yeah. steals, Furkan. And he was, what, four of 10 from three? Mm-hmm. He was chucking. I think four of 10 from three. Yeah, he was. Um, that's a great Furkan game, though, right? Yeah, I, I love it. I, I love me some Furkan, so I'm all about it. Him post game <laughs> calling uh, Matisse's defensive abilities out the roof was so awesome to me. <laughs> Made me love him that much more. But yeah, it was yeah. a great Furkan game, and he, uh, he I, as much as like I do think he's gonna get cut out of the rotation a little bit, especially with the addition of George Hill. It's cool to just have that like spark throwing guy that like an unconscious shooter that you know what you're getting with him, and that is like a little kind of cool thing to have and i i like Furkan. i think everyone likes having him around he's a guy that like he for sure has his limitations but he's putting more of a focus on the defensive end i do really think he like is a, a winning player and wants to win and like he's a guy i like having on this team i love Furkan. I, I i'm a huge Furkan fan i really am he's frustrating at times but mm-hmm. like he is he is a shooter he really is and he's reliable to a degree i mean what is what is he shooting this year i don't i don't even know what his like actual three-point percentage is he hovers around what 40 almost 40 percent i'm trying to find yeah, he shot 37 percent mm-hmm. uh yeah 36.5 percent so yeah about 37 percent, which okay. isn't bad isn't bad but he like he he does other things too like he draws a lot of fouls he gets to the free throw line like a weird amount you get him the ball at the end of the shot clock he's going to make something happen 
he's a guy that like players know can shoot. He can space the floor, and he's fine at that. He's been able to handle the ball a little bit more, which I don't love. But throwing down dunks to to the other night, he's yeah. he's a nice player to have in this rotation, and he's kind of a nice guy to have in their back pocket. And again, a guy that really they kind of just took a chance on before, and and he's been able to make something out of nothing. So mm-hmm. you know. All the love for Furkan that he can have. Matisse had another great night uh, defensively. He finished with, what, three points, I think, um, but three steals and two blocks. He continues to amaze me in, in his defensive prowess and everything he's able to do on that end. It's like, I feel like like things don't even stick out anymore. Do you feel that way? Yeah, you just expect it. Like, the the crazy, like, especially the ones that always get me are the ones where he'll get beat and still block a shot. And especially when he just stifles that like jumper from behind, which is such like a crazy play, but is now so casual for how often he does it. Yeah. Yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's kind of insane that he's able to continue doing these things. Like, I feel like it doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Leads the league and block jump shots, which is such like a Matisse stat and like very weird, (laughs) but like just makes sense off the eye test. Yeah. Um, I mean, Joel had a, like the other thing kind of in the same, kind of in the same vein of like, we get used to seeing Matisse, but Joel had 27 points in 27 minutes, um, shot nine free throws, 10 of 17 from the floor. Uh, like, is there anything this guy can't do? Uh, I'm actually happy. We got to see that Joel again, just, he looked comfortable. He didn't look like he talked a little bit about how he doesn't feel like his jumpers as smooth with the brace and how he feels like very limited by that he looked the the pre-injury joel again in the thunder game and there's part of me that was frustrated first off that he was playing at all and i guess like yeah. it makes sense giving tobias and danny the day off but like i just still don't think he's a guy that should be playing back-to-backs on a road trip ever and like even though he just had 10 days off that's still like i don't know there's there's still something that bothers me in that mind and i'm happy we limit him to 27 minutes and he looked great every minute he was in there and produce crazy efficient game on his part he was doing it he looked 100 percent confident in control every time he had the ball the the little mid-range was falling again which hasn't been since he came back so that was good to see but again it's cool it's it's cool that like he kind of had a bad game versus the pelicans and it's crazy how how few those are like it's rare for him when that mid-range isn't falling like every time he shoots it i expect that to go in and when he's off like that it's, it's weird to look at so it's cool to see him get back to that yeah, it is. It was nice to see him get back on track. His his deeper jump shots have been looking a little bit off. It looks like less fluid. His, his three-point jumpers have been kind of like hitting the rim really hard, which is unlike Joel. Yeah. Um, he normally has that feathery touch, and it's unlike him to just hear the ball clank off the rim. Um, but I felt like even in the Boston game, um, that had happened a couple of times. And then obviously against the Pelicans, it was kind of a rough game for everyone around. But it was nice to see Joel in that role of like, obviously he's still their best player. Um, but in a game against Oklahoma city, like everything else was able to flow and everyone else played pretty good games. Like it was a, it was a great game all around from everyone. Like the scoring is pretty spread out. Shake Milton had 12 Ferg on 20, Ben 13, Seth Curry had 11 who had a terrible night against the Pelicans. So it was nice to see him get back, but he was still one of five from three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tyrese had seven, Mike Scott had 13, Dwight Howard had 13 rebounds. So like there's, it's a pretty spread out game. They were able to get him some rest early. He didn't have to play too much, but it was nice to see him get back into a rhythm and and actually get back to the Joel that he is um, and still be dominant. And even in, you know, only 27 minutes and kind of, there was a couple of things. There was one layup. He split the defense. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma city was doubling, but not doubling strong enough to contain him at times. So he was just able to, 
take one dribble and use his long steps and just get right to the rim. And sometimes, again, like we see him do this stuff and it's like, oh, that was a nice play by Joel. But in reality, that's an insane play that like not a lot of guys make, especially at his size. So um, great to see Joel back. I want to talk about Mike Scott a little bit because the Sixers did sign Anthony Tolliver to a 10 day contract, which isn't all that you know exciting. But it is a guy that stretched four, uh, small five that we've been talking about. And it's not it's not Mike Muscala. It's not Larry Nance, but it's Anthony Tolliver. So what, what do you think of that move? And what does this mean for Mike Scott? Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. It's not a name. I don't think that was on anybody's radar. He hasn't been in the NBA not at mine. all this year. Yeah, I don't think anybody's. Uh, I mean, can't hurt, like worth a shot kind of. I don't really expect him to crack any minutes or crack into the lineup really. Unfortunately, I still think Mike Scott is better than Anthony Tolliver. And Tolliver's been around the league a while and done his thing. And, like, I mean, a 10-day really doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things. And Rivers, like, opening comments about him certainly didn't make me read into, like, oh, well, they have high hopes for this guy. Like, he kind of said, like, when asked, like, what he brings to the team, uh, Doc was kind of like, I mean, the minutes at at, uh, Power Forward are already pretty tied up when you think that you have Tobias and that and that uh, Tolliver, like, the main thing that he talked about that he'd bring is just like uh veteran leadership in that, which he, he talked about him being around the block. So I think it's more of like kind of a locker room move for see if he sticks, see if he fits in. Maybe he will. I could see them just being like a trial 10 day thing for a couple different guys. And, and that's okay with me too. Pretty short with the, his response and maybe a little bit of competition for that spot will make Mike Scott suck a little bit less at times. <laughs> but I mean, if he can, if he can score, if he can shoot the way that he shot the, like, um, on Saturday night, he was three of six from three. Obviously, I don't expect him to be a 50% shooter from three. That's ridiculous. But I mean, if he can get back to what he was two seasons ago when he first came over here um, with Tobias and Boban and everyone, if he's able to be that Mike Scott, I have no problems with him in the rotation. I love his presence. I love you know the toughness that he brings. So it's a fine move, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, I, again, can't hurt. Like It's like You've no, you, there's no real expectations for pretty much whoever it was on this this roster piece, and unless it was somebody wild that shook free and found their way, this was just kind of a bolster the bench. Maybe he's good enough to play some minutes. Maybe he can fit in. So as a guy worth taking a shot on, we'll see when he joins the team and how many minutes he get. I, I can't see him cracking or being a, a difference maker in any means. Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe uh, maybe in the nights when Joel doesn't play and they need mm-hmm. some you know, an extra guy in there, another big that can, that can run. Um, maybe he gets some minutes there and, and that's okay. I can deal with that. Like I can, mm-hmm. I can live with that being his role, um, especially for being the 15th guy on the roster. Like I'm totally okay with that being the role. Um, yeah. I want to talk about, cause there was some interesting comments. Joel had some interesting comments after the game um, talking about Ben Simmons and his aggressiveness and, and basically saying he needs Ben to make other teams guard him and, and make people actually pay attention to Ben um, in the half court and everything. What did you take away from Ben, or I'm sorry, from Joel saying, you know, kind of holding Ben accountable in this situation and, and not saying anything out of line or not not calling Ben out really at all, just saying like, I know what Ben can do. I want to see him do it all the time. I love it personally. What was your take on it? Yeah, I love it too. And I, there's been a lot of that uh, like throughout the year. Like, I don't think that's a new thing to come out of Joel's mouth. I think he's kind of repeated that message all year and made it clear because it's true. Like when Ben's playing better, it makes Joel better and vice versa with them. And it's cool. Uh, again, it's uh, cool that the conversation has shifted to them working together to 
shifted from the how they could never play together to now like how well they do work together and how they do like open things up for each other because i do think there is a lot of that and even though they're both like of course not the dream fit like it for sure works and it is very doable especially with the supporting cast we have doc rivers kind of echoed a very like similar message in his post game too and one of the cool things that i i heard out of doc is he talked about like uh Ben can be aggressive without shooting the ball. And when we think of Ben's like aggression, everybody thinks of him scoring like 20 plus points and doing all this, the way he just like attacks the rack and we setting up others is just as valuable to this team and creating those, those chances for others. And just that like locked in willingness. And it's it, Ben probably more than pretty much any player I've seen. It looks different when you can tell he's locked in and aggressive. And when he is a little more faded out and there is just like, such the impact is so different when he's there versus which, which is when he's a little like awesome. So Joel's 100% right, and I love that they're open enough with each other to be able to kind of like say that and put it out there. Yeah, I think that's the biggest part is the fact that I think they're it's hard to explain, it's hard to like really think about. But when you can openly like talk about things with another player, like a teammate, or even like think about it like this, like a friend, if you can have like a conversation with someone that. And you know that you're not going to hurt their feelings and you're still going to be teammates and, and you're still going to be friends and you're still going to move forward and try to win basketball games together. That's mm -hmm. where I think that you really peak like in a relationship like that. These two guys are the cornerstones of this franchise. They were drafted by this franchise. They've signed huge deals with this team. They both have made it clear that they want to be here. So they need to figure it out. And I think they really have on the court, obviously. And the, the, like the idea that they don't work together is so like just drowned out it's it's just not real anymore so mm -hmm. the fact that joel can go in a post game and say like i love the way that ben played tonight i want him to play like this every night i want him to be aggressive and do all these things to ben like if i'm in ben's spot i actually love that he wants he's going out of his way to talk about how i'm playing and what he sees from me i know that he's paying attention and this is arguably the best player in the world right now so mm -hmm. you know ben can learn from joel joel can learn from ben they can both learn from doc and this coaching staff and i think that that's the whole like mantra for this team this season is is not knowing not thinking that you you know everything and learning from the people around you and guys like dg and and you know dwight howard and vets like that can teach these guys stuff and, and i think they're really learning and having an open relationship like this where they can have conversations or have dialogue or just talk about the way the other one plays without it being like a touchy subject and feeling like it's toxic i think that's fantastic i think that's a great step for these two um and their progression as teammates and friends i i love it and like that's been all season. I feel like, like you said, from the start, them joking about living together at the beginning of the year and everything. Like we've seen a different Ben and Joel this season. Obviously it's translated to winning and, and they've been fantastic on the floor together. And I think we talked about this before, like right before Joel came back, we were just saying, I'm excited for Joel to get back because I think it lifts a little bit of weight off Ben's shoulders and allows him to play a little bit more free because he doesn't have to feel like whatever else is going on. I, I love this combination. I, I love these two guys. So it makes a lot of sense that he's able to go out of his way and talk about Ben's play. But I, you know, personally, I loved it. So that's where I stand with it. Yeah, for sure. It's cool to see. There's definitely been seemingly like a more openness to like their dialogue and their relationship this year, which is cool. And I do think a lot of that just comes with the culture in general. And like, this is a vastly different uh, entire organization than it was last year. Just new GM, new coach, new everything, new roster, basically. And all these pieces like that all adds to it, like the whole situation and just like, I think the the kind of cultural, not revolution, but just change this year is like just as impactful on like between those two 
as it anything on the court has been. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think Doc being the way that Doc is and, and holding all these guys accountable and having each other hold each other accountable. You know what I mean? Like that's, and I think that's something that like Danny Green has brought in, like Danny Green and Dwight have brought in. It's just being, you know, expecting, having expectations for each other and not letting each other down, which I think is great. And it's, like I said, it, it's, it's made them win basketball games. They've been much more successful this year um, than, than years prior. And I think, just have looked like such a better team. And even when they lose, it's like they still have those tough losses at times. You know, you look at New Orleans. Should they lose to the Pelicans? Probably no, but they did. And like they bounced back the next day and they were fine. So that's a change in pace for us watching this team. And they are the number one seed right now. And, you know, the Nets play the Timberwolves tonight and they both see each other on Wednesday. So it'll come down to, you know, stretch of it. But let's talk about the importance of getting the number one seed. And I just recently, I wrote an article this morning about it. Because I had an epiphany about the importance of getting the number one seed and what it means for like the second round of the playoffs and who the Sixers will face potentially. So looking in all and, and playoff picture and looking a little bit ahead here, thinking of the number one seed, how important do you feel getting and maintaining that number one seed is going into the playoffs? So I don't think it's the end-all be-all if they don't end the first seed. I still think... They're a very good team, regardless of where the seed ends up. That being said, I I would love for them to end the first seed, and I think uh, just having home court straight through throughout the playoffs is huge. Uh, the matchups it's going to be weird this year, just based on the playing tournament and how like we're not fully going to know who we're playing, regardless of what happens, and even regardless, even if we're like the two seed, it's the same scenario with that. So that changes things a little bit for this year. So home court, I think, is the biggest thing. We obviously already know how great the Sixers team is at home. There's only going to be more fans let in if that's possible. Uh, and it, it does feel like there's is like that Wells Fargo feel again. You, there's still the atmosphere there, even with like the lack of fans. And I do think that that matters. Uh, and just like I think the, the just the mental like kind of, I guess like like feeling of like accomplishment of that we are the one seed and like we are like ranked the better team. I do think there's something to that too, just for confidence going to the playoffs. So I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't, but I definitely think the team has the first seed set as this goal. They've talked about it like pretty much straight through this year and they pretty much have been the first seed start to finish this year. So give them props for that. And I, I do think like that's a real thing they're shooting for throughout the stretch, which is awesome. Yeah, I think like, before I was kind of on the, I, I'm like a little bit more serious about the one seed I think than you are. I think mm -hmm. that it's such a competitive advantage to hold, just because, like right now, and things are probably going to change. I like Miami might move out of that spot, um, out six spot, which would just make then at that point I think. Um, but if Miami is still in the sixth spot, the the fact you could play either the Hawks or the Hornets in the second round compared to the Bucks or the Heat, they would hold a difference right there. Just that in general. And I know the playing tournament and everything. But this idea of having to potentially teams that you, in the second round compared to Giannis, the back-to-back the -back reigning MVP, and the two, like, again, I'm I'm confident the Sixers can beat them in a seven-game series. I'm confident the Sixers can beat any, literally anybody in a seven-game series. And I'm not... But when I look at it, the Eastern Conference Finals against the eventual Brooklyn Nets most likely, I would much rather that situation than having... You know, a first round matchup against the Celtics, a second round matchup against the Bucks, and then I have to face the Nets in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. You'd rather make it as easy as possible. And if you can do that before the season ends, you know, that's mm -hmm. a much bigger difference. And like you said, I think the, com the competitive advantage of having home court um, in the Wells Fargo Center in June against like or in late May, June against the Nets, like 
that's something that you need. And in a seven game series where it might go seven, having that extra game at home rather than being away for four games, that can be that can be the difference. So yeah. I'm all for them doing as best as they can to to make sure that they're the number one seed. And also, like you said, it's a little bit of a moral victory. This team was not nearly where they wanted to be last year in the standings, obviously ended in a, in a poor fashion. But to be able to bounce back and, and be the number one seed basically throughout the entire season is, I think, a huge boost that they're looking forward to. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I, I'm kind of just springing this on you now, but do you have any concern for George Hill's injury? Sorry? Do you have any concern for like George Hill's injury and when he's coming back? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I like. I don't know if I really do. Um, I thought that he was going to be back a lot sooner than they're preparing him to be back for, though. That's what like I was yeah. expecting him back last year, yeah. possible. But like him, him coming down and saying like, "Oh, I'm definitely going to be ready for the playoffs." Is like, okay, that's great. But I thought you were going to be ready like three weeks before the playoffs. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not saying I'm sounding the alarms by any means, but there's just something a little like my concern is definitely not like zero. Like there's something a little weird about things. Like even like when you cut back to like the original injury, like that's a six to eight week injury, and he's now on week eleven of not playing. And it's just like like even when wow. the trade happened, it felt like like a like he was supposed to be ready like not right away, but very shortly. And it just like it's not that's not the vibe the organization is giving off at all right now have a cakewalk basically manufacturing yourself a cakewalk but yeah i'm not saying like i'm majorly concerned right now but it definitely feels like like when the deal got done it felt as if like he was going to be ready within the next like handful of games and that's just not at all like the vibe the organization is giving off right now yeah no i completely agree like when, when they were talking about when joel was coming back i was like kind of like okay when joel comes back george hill come back so like mm-hmm. i thought he was gonna be back last weekend um basically ready to go um, and I'm not like terribly concerned. He has time to, you know, be at practices, learn everything that he needs to know going into the playoffs. And as long as he does, he said, definitely, I'll be ready for the playoffs, which is great. And that's what they really need him for. But I would love to see him get out, you know, and play with this team before the playoffs, because that just sounds like bad things waiting to happen is just pushing us off until the final minute. I'd love to see him get back. Hopefully soon. I, I'm really excited for his. We've talked about how excited we are for his presence on this team. So. If he can get back then later, that'd be great. But don't push it, I guess. But I feel like he should be ready. Um, so that being said, uh, we're going to wrap it up here, guys, um, as always. And, you know, check us out on Twitter. As always, at PigSwapPod. You can see us down here. Follow me at JSBrain17. Follow Sean at Sean underscore Bernard1. Don't forget the one. Um, and we'll talk <laughs> to you guys soon.